You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Well, howdy, partners. You're listening to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and this is your host, Pimp Cron. And what do we aim to do here? Well, we cater to fluff and casual players, and we aim to ignite the flame of hobby inside all of you. Hopefully that will help you enhance your games and enjoy your games better. So what exactly, I hear you all asking, what exactly are we talking about tonight, Pimpcron? Well, we have a um, Tesseract mailbox where a celebrity writes in. It's very exciting. And we also have a Want That or Want That Not about the new Rogue Trader box set. And I'm joined by Lore Master Alex on that one. We also have a Here's an Idea about dice matching your army color schemes, and that's with Just James. And then we have um, something that is very exciting for me. We are doing a two-part segment on the worst gaming store experience that we've had. And our group has jumped from several different um, game stores. We are on our fourth game store in 10 years. And uh, we have been through probably three of the worst game stores. And uh, Game Store 1 and 2 are going to be covered tonight. And Game Store 3 and 4 are going to be covered um, next episode. Because Just James and Lore Master Alex and I got blabbering around, you know, blabbering along for so long that it ended up being like a 50-minute segment. So I decided, well, there's no point to shove a 50-minute segment for you guys to death. We might as well break it up into 225s or whatever. And then you can enjoy it. After that, we have a Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, and we discuss Malforms. What is that? Well, I guess you got to find out. It's a curse that Ishtar lays on people, but I'm not going to explain further than that. you got to listen. Final notice. Um, we are, at the time of this recording, it is November 11th, and Shorehammer is readily approaching. If you don't know what Shorehammer is, that is my convention, my Warhammer and Wargaming convention that I own in Ocean City, Maryland. And it is November 30th to December 2nd, and that is a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We've got um, two 40k tournaments, a Danger Zone and a Highlander. We have an Age of Sigmar GT. We have a narrative battle for uh, 40k on Friday. We have bar trivia. We have a special viewing of something that I can't release until we're there. I can't tell anybody what this special viewing is. We have um, X-Wing tournament, and we have painting competitions. We have speed painting which is really cool. We give you a random model. You don't know what it is. And we all give you the same two colors that you have to be the, they're always going to be wacky colors. And you have to use those two colors as the main colors of the model that we hand you. And you have a short amount of time to uh, paint it to the best of your ability. The way that we, you know, add some strategy to it is that you can bring 10 of your own colors or washes that you want to bring to help mitigate the effects of we're probably going to give you some god-awful color scheme, and that makes it more interesting. So it's that's a pretty fun thing, too. So we have a ton of stuff. We rent couches. We've got, like, a whole lounge area. We have tons of free play tables. We have vendors. We have just all kinds of stuff. So if you are on the fence at all about, um, you know, checking out Shorehammer, if you live in the mid-Atlantic region of the U.S., Or, you know, farther, for that matter. We had a guy from St. Louis last year. Um, I would hope that you check out shorehammer.com, and that's S-H-O-R-E-H-A-M-M-E-R. It's exactly how it sounds. 
and you check out our Eventbrite page, buy your tickets, et cetera, et cetera. And the, you know, that's, that's basically it. But in my whole life right now is Shorehammer in hyper, you know, hyperdrive. So just today we had just James and Steve, who I've mentioned before, and uh, Mr. Matt and TJ and Tim, uh, Baneblade Tim. And we had a huge painting party. So this is the second one this year. And we're getting lots of terrain painted. And we have all kinds of cool new terrain. Um, all of my t-shirts are in. All of our trophies are already in. We basically have everything nailed down. So I am, believe it or not, pretty good at planning things. So we, we don't have too many hiccups or anything. And uh, hopefully you'll hang out with us. We are the premier casual fluff convention. These tournaments... Uh, tend to have a lot more restrictions than other tournaments because we don't want a bunch of cheesy shit in my convention. I made this convention the way that I want to play tournaments. And the way I like to play tournaments is having some regulation as to what cheesy shit people could bring. So, of course, you know, you you can take some things that are, you know, uh, overpowered or whatever, but it's always limited. Like the Highlander, you can't take more than one of any unit, period. And we don't allow flyers or super heavies, so that, that cuts that out there. You know, Lords of War, I mean. And so that's that's basically it. So we actually get a lot of first-time tournament players. I've been told by at least uh, six or ten people in the last three years that we are their very first tournament that they want to try, very first convention they've ever been to, because they may not, you know, be hyper-competitive, or they might be new to the wargaming scene, or for whatever reason, and they give us a shot, and we're all super friendly, we encourage everybody to be friendly, we give out random prizes to people that we see being friendly to strangers, it's, uh, it's just a great time. So there's a bar in the hotel, and uh, arcade, indoor pool, uh, 24-hour coffee shop, it's a pizza place, all that in the same hotel. So it's pretty cool. Now at this point, unfortunately, if you're just now hearing about this, all of the hotel is sold out. So that is kind of a bummer, but the good news is, is that they have overflow hotels. So what you need to do is um, call the number that is on shorehammer.com when you say, you know, click on get tickets and you'll call that hotel and you will give them your, um, you know, just say that you're with Shorehammer and they will, you know, that counts towards us. It makes us look better to the hotel if we sell more rooms and they will book you with a nearby sister hotel and overflow room. So, enough self-promotion. I think I will um, get off. But, oh, oh, one more thing. We have a new Patreon subscriber. I would like to thank Nate very, very much for joining the Pimpcron and supporting the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. I cannot thank you enough. I thank you from the bottom of my heart and even the bottom of my liver and probably the bottom of my colon. I really, really thank you for supporting us. And, of course, we are doing the monthly, um, uh, what's it called? Come on. War Planner. War Planner missions. And, uh, you know how I love to make up missions and things like that. And it is game fluid. So, it is for your very favorite 28mm, um, war game that uses miniatures and D6s. Wink, wink. It can be futuristic. It can be heroic fantasy. It could be whatever you want. But as long as it fits that scenario, they are missions for them. 
and you get them monthly if you are a Patreon subscriber. I'd appreciate if you did that. Patreon.com slash PimpCron. And you know what? I'm not going to put another ad at the end of this because uh, you just heard it from me, and I think that's good enough, right? I'm sure all of you right now are going, oh, definitely don't put one of those stupid-ass ads in here. So, now that I have talked your ear off about all of my self-promoting bullshit, let's get this show on the road, and trust me, you want to hang around for the real talk with the Pimpcron, because we take trips down memory lanes, and you may be shocked and surprised at how crazy the stores have been that we have uh, we have been at. So, it involves cocaine <laughs> and uh, other stuff. You, you just got to listen. You're here to listen. Go ahead and listen. See ya. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Wow, we've already made it to that time of the show where we open up fan mail, and we call that the Tesseract mailbox. I am the Pimpcron, as you know. And tonight I have a special letter from a celebrity, a bona fide celebrity. So... They write in, hello, I've enjoyed the show. I like that it isn't all power gaming nonsense. I wanted to say that I really liked the last listener mailbox where people were supposedly complaining about no Halloween show. I almost spit out my orange juice when you told that guy to calm the F down. You need more just, uh, you need just James on more often. Flowrider. Now, I'm assuming, first of all, thank you for listening, Flowrider. And I'm extremely privileged to have you listen to our show. The only thing that may be, I don't know how to say it, a, a miscommunication is they spelled F-L-O-R-I-D-A as one word with just the F capitalized. So it's possible. It's a fringe chance that they just wrote Florida like they're from Florida. And the person did not put their name. That is a possibility, but I like to think that it was actually Flowrider that that wrote in. So, thank you, Flowrider. I can't think of any music of yours that I've listened to, but I hope you don't take offense to that. I know I've heard you in songs. I don't know what they were, but I do appreciate it. I, too, almost spit out my orange juice when I told, I think it was Tom, to calm the F down. And I appreciate you writing in because um, it's nice to have some sort of feedback, you know, whatsoever. And I also want to uh, mention that we don't do power gaming nonsense on this show, as you point out. So I'm glad that you're picking up on all of those things. And I'm glad you're enjoying the show. And I wish you well on your record deals and your uh, career and whatnot. But I do have, uh, aside from this message, I do have a special message for everyone else that listens to this show. And the fact is, is we, you know, Flowrider here was our very last Tesseract mailbox submission. So we need you guys to call the phone number posted and say whatever you want. That's your chance to sound off. That's your t chance to say something uh, what you do or don't like about the show, what you do or don't like about models or a unit or asking for advice, however much that's worth, or whatever. This is your chance to say that. You'll be on the air, and uh, I would love it if we had a real phone call, if somebody could just call in to the phone call, to the phone, <laughs> to the phone line, and that would be just spectacular because I want to hear people's voices. So... 
if you could do that, you could email us at pimpcron at gmail.com. You can message me at facebook.com slash pimpcron. Or you could just call the phone number, which would be the most entertaining, I'm sure. If you just want to get on the air to say some nonsense, I don't care. Let's just let's just get some letters rolling in because so far everything's been pretty steady. Um, uh, maybe I shot myself in the foot reading all three Halloween messages. Who knows? But our viewership is growing, and uh, in the last month it has doubled, which excites me. From one to two. Nah, I'm kidding. It's like three to six. So I think I've said about everything I could say about this, and I think we should move on to the next segment. Toodles. Want that or want that not? Hello, boys and girls. It is time again for Want That or Want That Not with the Pimp Cron. Today, I am joined again with Loremaster Alex. Hey, guys. How we doing? And we are going to be discussing the Kill Team Rogue Trader box set. Oh, boy. I have been waiting to do this one. Yes. Um, well, do you want to start out with your first impressions of it? I love it. Every Everything about this box set, I actually really, really like. I love all the different models. I don't even play Nurgle, but I would definitely buy this box set just so I could get the Rogue Trader units. Um, plus, there's a lot of really cool things about it. And what I like is that you can use them not only in Kill Team and in the box set, but you can use them in regular games of Warhammer as well. They all have stats for that. Okay, so neither one of us play Kill Team, and I'm sure there's rules in this box set, but we're just going to throw that out the window because we're just going to talk about the miniatures because the miniatures are pretty cool. Yeah. So let's start with the, the Imperial side. And what are they called? They're called the Elucidian Star Striders. Oh, yeah. Which is a mouthful. Yes. That sounds like a 70s rock band. <laughs> honestly. Jefferson Starship. Lucidian, Elu- Lucidian Star, Star Striders. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Know? I mean, you yeah. could see them opening for Led Zeppelin. <laughs> for sure. I mean, the one guy with the giant Gatling gun, he's the guy rocking the big two-headed guitar. You yeah. You know what I mean? There's the dog on stage. Dog on stage. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. Um, as far as their look, they they have more armor on them than I would expect for just a rogue trader. Well, you know, these guys are personal bodyguards, and rogue traders in the lore are probably the most wealthiest people and organizations that you could work for. So it wouldn't surprise me that they would have, one, a lot more equipment and armor compared to your average guardsman. Mm-hmm. And their armor would probably look a lot nicer, too. Better detail, prettier looking, you know, more engraving work, which is something you see in the models. I like that all these models are unique in their in their look, but I can't, just by looking at it, tell who is the rogue trader. Like, shouldn't there be a captain or a figurehead? I can't tell which one of them... Yeah, that is, is true. Is that character? I honestly don't know if there is the actual rogue trader is in the group. I think it's just the rogue trader's henchman. Maybe the guy, the guy with the shotgun, looks like he's kind of a captain right. of some sort. Yeah, he's he looks like he's like the void master at arms. Which in lore, a void master is the guy who leads all the voids men, which are kind of like uh, armsmen for ships. Okay, what do you think that thing is in the bottom corner? It looks like a woman. I think yeah, it's got booby sure, plate. I'm pretty sure it's a woman. Okay. Um, she might actually be the rogue trader. Well, she's got a ski mask on. Looks like she's going to rob a 7-Eleven. <laughs> so maybe that's where they get all their trading from. You know, like this one ship, the um, the Elucidian Star Striders, always pull up the port. They've just got crates and crates of slushies and Snickers bars and um, uh, taquitos. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, they have like the emperor. The emperor protects male enhancement pills and stuff <laughs> they sell at Seven Eleven. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Strike with the power of it all of the Adeptus Astartes <laughs> in bed. You know, lasts for four hours. Oh man. Um, I really do like these models. I feel like you know I would buy them not just to play the game, but I could use these guys as like sergeants and stuff, and units and veterans if I'm using a kind of a similar motif. Uh-huh. Um, in the Astra Militarum box set, there's actually a specialized regiment that they show you how to make from different parts. Oh. And the helmets are very similar, and the outfits are very similar. So I feel like I could, if I was to build an ar- army like that, I'd be using these guys as, like, you know, specialized units and stuff in that army. I, uh, is that an assassin in the back? It looks like an, that lady. Yeah, she's a member of the Death Cult. If, if my uh, lore serves me right, she's a Death Cult assassin. Hmm. And um, they've got which, some sort of medic. Which doesn't surprise me. I mean, Death Cults form on starships all the time. That's where most of them are from. Or with, if know. I had a nickel for every Death Cult I've been in. Yeah. You know? Um, I would have been at Jonestown, but I just missed the airplane by about 15 minutes. It was really upsetting. Um, they also had Grape Kool-Aid, which was my favorite. Oh, man. I'm yeah. not a big fan of Grape Kool-Aid, so I wouldn't have gone. Uh, but no, I like the fact that they have a doctor and stuff like that. Um, I could definitely see that like in a command squad. You could put that as your medic. You know, the person's got the med pack. Oh, for sure, yeah. But um, I would really love to sit down and look at the stats. You know what I mean? And how they all fit in. And, you know, I would well, like to, you know. A bunch of strength three, tough three across the board, I'm certain. I don't doubt it, but I mean, yeah. they'd still be pretty cool. And I bet you the dog has got some bitching moves. Yeah, so everyone's lost their damn mind over the dog. Um, I mean, the dog's neat, but it's just a dog. Hey. Like. Hey. What? Don't say that. He's, well, he's a good boy. He's, he's the goodest of boys. He is the good, that's his rank on the ship. The goodest boy. The yes. goodest boy, yeah. Um, Sub-commander Dog. Yeah. Um, I think he's neat, but I heard people online, I don't know if this is um, true or not, but I heard people online complaining that he has five attacks and a space marine has one. Well, I bet you if you look at it too, he's probably got like a weak strength compared to a space marine. Yeah, and maybe he's a four up to hit or something, but yeah. um, it's pretty interesting. I wonder what the dude in the back with the uh, generator, what's he, what's his deal? Well, it looks like he's got like an iridium pistol, so I'm betting money he's like an acolyte or a tech priest of some sort. I don't know. I hope they have good health care, because I'm certain those Tesla coils in the back are going to give him cancer. Oh, I don't doubt it. He's probably got two grape-sized tumors for testicles. <laughs> you mean grapefruit? Great, well, maybe. I think you I think you said grape-sized. Oh, I meant to say grapefruit-sized. Maybe I heard it wrong. No, you're right, Pimcron. I apologize. Um, all right, so that is basically the good guys. We'll say the good guys. The Lucidian Starstriders, and... Um, overall, I think they're pretty cool. Uh, honestly, I'm going to be the bad guy in the room here. None of this really strikes me as super, super great. Like, I mean, if I happen to find a box in an alley for free, I would certainly take it. But I'm certainly not going to, so far, I just looking at this half of the box, I'm not really sold on it. Yeah. So, um, some neat conversion options, but, eh. Well, you know, that gets my rocks hard. Yes. Yes. So let's go on to the Nurgle side of things. The Geller and Pox infection. Now I'm going to be the 40k equivalent of Web WebMD and explain what Geller Pox is. Okay. So when ships travel through the warp, they use things called Geller fields. Mm-hmm. And Geller fields are what protect the ship from being encroached in from the warp. 
Okay. Now, some of the better ships have a massive Geller Field generator that powers the entire ship. Others use smaller Geller Fields spaced out between the ship. And some of them actually don't even have some sections that don't even have Geller Fields in them. So just like no-fly zones <laughs> when okay. you're going through the warp, like people stay out of those zones. Okay. So Geller Pox is when the Geller Field is either corrupted by Nurgle Taint or the field malfunctions and shuts down and lets the warp in. Okay. So from what it looks like, this is a subsection of the ship's crew that have become infected with Geller Pox. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think these guys are far more entertaining to look at than the actual rogue, the Lucidian Star Striders. There's a lot of detail. Even in the small guys, you can see a lot of different detail. But the big guy in the back, I love like how they have the machinery and stuff coming out of him. Yeah, I wonder what the story behind that is. Like, I bet you money he was like working on a boiler or something back there. He was having sex with the boiler. Yeah, he's fucking the boiler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my my personal favorite is that Cthulhu looking dude. Oh yeah, he's pretty sweet. I I like him a lot. He reminds me of something from Dark Souls, which I is never a, which played. is a video game. Yeah, I never played that. But um, even you know the um the uh I'm trying to think of what their name Nurglings? is. Nurglings. Even the Nurglings have a lot more character than they normally do. Yeah, they seem to be a little bit bigger, and they're all mutated. There's a Siamese twin, and you know what's the terrifying thing that would send chills down your spine, Scott? What? I mean, Pimpcron. What? Is that on these ships, most rogue trader ships, they actually have the families that go with the crew members. Okay. So you could think that those are actually the children. Could be. Yeah. Um, there's also some sort of space flea. Like, they, they legitimately look like fleas. I think those are actual manifestations of the warp. Like, the pestilules or whatever they were or what spread the disease like the flies and stuff yeah because you then you've got maggot sort of things and you've got flies and and things like that yeah is it just me or do those three smaller guys remind me of insane clown posse <laughs> i don't know why you know what it actually kind of looks like like something you'd see like a hatchet man or something you know yeah what i mean yeah absolutely Meh. um these larger guys in back though they're pretty awesome looking i yeah. mean there's not one of them that i don't like I mean, they are great-looking models, and I feel like they'd be great for Chaos Spawn, you know, stuff like that. If you oh. have a Nurgle-based army, yeah, they'd make great uh, Chaos Spawn. That's the truth, yeah, actually. Yeah. Or um, even if you want to make, like, um, Obliterators. Uh-huh. You could easily see some modifications being done to turn those into Obliterators. Oh, for sure, especially the guy with the, the furnace for a belly. Yeah. You know, if you had a bunch of weapons for arms or something, that would be... I would remove the stacks off his back and put Laz cannons sticking out. <laughs> Like, that's his spine now. There's some yeah. sort of... Do you think the guy with the big cleaver was the ship's chef? I would think so. Like that would make sense, yeah. that he's got this giant cleaver. And all those people that consist of his stomach, I assume, are his crew members. Yeah, that's. and I also like that the guy with the boiler in his belly, he's got two heads. Yeah. Almost like two people were working on the boiler, or and then it gang got... Or gang-banging, though. <laughs> gang-banging, yeah. They, one gets the input, one gets the exhaust. Yeah. Um, but uh, then the other guy's got, like, a legitimate fly for an arm. I think what he's doing is spawning the little flylings. Oh. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's probably what that is, is that he's actually, like, his arm is jettisoning out these these bugs. These guys, these look pretty darn awesome. Um, yeah, that guy's just got a bug head for an arm, basically. Yeah. Oh, this guy, you're right, the, the butcher is covered in people. Yeah. Just tons of mouths and all kinds of stuff with him. 
And um, I got kids to feed, man. <laughs> I got kids to feed. Look at them all down my arm. Yeah. And um, I still love that Cthulhu dude. He is just. I just want to know the story behind him. There's somebody in his belly. Yeah. Look at their hand. Yeah. That is hilarious. I just want to know the story behind that. Like, what was this guy doing with an octopus? <laughs> I, <laughs> well, um, prepping for lunch with the chef, probably. Probably. Um, I don't know, man. I just think um, I think these uh, Nurgle guys look pretty darn cool. I um, so this actually redeems it a little bit for me, that um, seeing the Nurgle guys make me want to want that a little more. So would you say that we would maybe swap this box or share this box with each other? Yes, I think if you were to want the Inquisition or the not Inquisition, the Rogue Trader part, then I would want the Nurgle part because as much as I do like the Rogue Trader part. It's it's nothing like super special. It they they're nice models and they look neat. They've got an interesting neat look to them. But I don't know. I just figure rogue traders would look a little more um, fancy. I guess yeah. you know, like a fancy a, a dandy boy. <laughs> um. So what do you? So I am a want half of that. I, guess. I am a want half of that. Because... Well then. By our powers combined, that's a want that. Yes. Okay. So we do want this. I think it's um it's not a bad deal. I would be interested to see the book too that comes with it because like I you agree. said, I would love to read the lore because you, I I really would hope there'd be some really cool lore to this. To why they became like they were. Yeah. yeah. Like even if they made like a short story or something, I I probably would fiend off of that. Yeah. It's so I mean, one hundred and thirty bucks is a bit pricey, but you know you're getting quite a few models too. You're getting, yeah. um... Plus you get terrain pieces and a lot of other stuff. You're getting, like, 30 models, roughly. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna count. This is not a math podcast. I've been over that before. <laughs> but, like, 30 models, roughly. And they come well, on the board Well, tune in tomorrow for Pimcron's math cast. <laughs> the math cast. Um, apparently it also, you know, it also comes with some, uh, doors and some furniture that goes along with that mat. So that's kind of neat, you know. Yeah, I'm interested to see what kind of songs they would have, like L.A. Woman, you know, <laughs> Hello, I Love You, Won't You Tell Me Your Name, you know, that kind of stuff, yeah. I just want to see who they're opening for. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, the Doors or something. So the Elucidian Star Striders and the Geller Pox Infected, we both, half and half, want that. And I think that's all we got to say for it. So thank you again, as always, Mr. Alex. Hey, thanks for having me. Later, guys. Now, here's an idea. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. It is another Well, Here's an Idea with the Pimp Crown and my good old pal returning from the depths, Just James. Hello, Hello. Mr. James. Hey. Um, now, most of you don't realize, but uh, Just James has been away for quite some time, and he does a ton of charity work. Um, he he uh, gives out free Brazilians to uh, needy strippers. He um, he feeds random squirrels. What else do you do in your spare time? Uh, well, really, it's not that. It's just that I don't want to overexpose myself. I don't want to be oversaturated. I just want, you know, pop in here and there. Uh. You know, they can't have too much of me. Ah, like like a like a bad father. <laughs> yes, <Right>? yes. Because <laughs> it's weird. Last time you were on the air, um, you were like, "Hey, I gotta go out for some smokes," and I'm like, "That's weird," because James doesn't smoke. And then you never came back. Yeah. <laughs> I got one birthday card from you with five dollars in it. I don't then... even remember sending that out. So. <laughs> All right. Well, today 
um, just James and I have been friends for a long time, but there's a couple things that we do not agree on whatsoever, and this is a, a really uh, a very serious topic for us. I am in the camp that you need to have dice that match the color of your army, and I will say that to the day I die. And what is your stance on that, Just James? Uh, the opposite, obviously. Uh, I don't. The color doesn't have to match your army. It does. Doesn't matter at all. All right, guys. So listen to this, okay? I like to have matching dice that I buy a special cube for every one of my armies that matches the color scheme. Like my Necrons are purple and gold. I have purple and gold dice. I actually have two sets of purple and gold dice that are slightly different for my Necrons, okay? Just James has a giant pencil case. Oh, it was a pencil case, and now it's bigger. Oh. <laughs> I upgraded. Okay, so it was a pencil case, and now it's a giant freaking like Tupperware container. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, pretty much. Tupperware container of random ass dice from probably how many? What would you venture to guess? How many sets of dice are in that box? Uh, somewhere between ten to fifteen. Ugh. Do you hear that, people? This is this is just, um, this is. This is tearing our relationship apart, frankly. So we yeah. need to air this. This is like an episode of Maury for us. And we need to air our grievances on the air. So, first of all, I have always found it in my experience that if the color of your dice match the color of your army, they roll better. You don't uh, agree with that? No, I don't. Uh, I think the dice will roll bad or good on their own, no matter what color they are. Uh, and... I, yeah, I just, you just, uh, it doesn't matter the, the, if they're the same color or they're separate colors. Okay. Well, I think like you need to, um, you can't really mix the energy of the different colored dice. Like you, all of your dice. Okay. So if I've got ultramarines, let's say, which I don't play cause I'm not that type of person, uh, ultramarines, I would have blue and gold dice. Okay. They all come from the same background. Those dice, they're from the same family. They have a team feeling to them, and they all have the same goal. You know, like, they're all like, hey, we're blue and gold dice. We know what to do. We're hanging out with our blue and gold models, and we're going to roll well for them. Those, uh, those little square things with numbers on the sides. Yes. Little dots on the side that don't have faces, don't <laughs> have hearts, or, you know, they don't have souls. Whoa. Uh, against uh, rolling with a... Uh, plastic pieces that are just stationary that we use our imagination that are actually shooting each you, other you don't need to bring science into this there's <laughs> nothing to do with science just james you need there's a, a lot of luck pretty much anyone who plays this game will say that there's a lot of luck to this luck isn't science luck is mysticism there's some people that say luck is for losers <laughs> well i just know that in the past and this is circumstantial evidence i understand but whenever i don't have dice that match the color of my army they don't roll well and when i buy a set that does match my army they roll well which is interesting because um i have a set of purple and gold dice that roll hot garbage for my necrons so then i bought a new set and that new set must be the correct color of purple and gold because it rolls awesome so that's why i have two sets of dice for my necrons because the one does not roll well, and it must be the wrong color. The wrong color purple, the wrong color gold. That's science. <laughs> uh, well, I mix, I you know, I just grab a handful, so it's all good and bad, uh, bad 
uh, rolling, and it balances itself out if you want to think of it like that. Okay. Uh, I don't agree with that. But what about it looking better on the table? when the? I mean, it just looks pretty. You've got this beautiful table set up. You've got beautiful armies you've painted. And when you roll, it's just this cascade of the same color. It's beautiful, like a, like a monochromatic rainbow. The, sa- the same color, huh? Yeah. Well, mine's a rainbow. You know, it's a beautiful rainbow. These all the different yellows and reds and blues and that, violets that and physically pinks. hurt my eyes. What you shoved them in your eyes? So what are you? What are you doing? You're just looking at them. How are they? It's it's, it's nice looking. It's, it's just, like it's like a a clown just dumped a thing of of uh, dice. It's like confetti. You're like, and you just throw all these all these random colors out. Clowns it hurts are my cool. eyes. What? Clowns are cool. Clowns are not cool. Yeah, they got you know they got all the the smiley faces and balloons. See, I take my game serious as far as professionalism. You show up and you dress nice. I don't don't really do that, but you potentially could if you want to take it seriously. And you have your nice professional colored dice that match your army. Okay, so also as far as transporting all this, you have one nice little compact package of dice you're not carrying some big ass rubbermaid tupperware container it's just this nice little cube oh nice little cube yeah oh so a nice little cube of 36 dice yeah okay let's uh so you're playing orcs and you're doing 60 shots oh you gotta roll that once and a a few more one more time yes oh i'll just grab 60 dice out of my my bin I just roll it. No, no. See, the, but I'm going to be picking up my misses anyway. So then I just pick up, like, let's say if I needed to roll 60, right? I roll 36, and then I count misses, and knowing orcs, I probably have 30 misses out of 36 shots, and then I'm going to roll those 30. Or at the very worst, pick up 15 misses and roll those, and then pick up 15 more misses and roll those. It's really not a big deal. See, now you're just being rude to your opponent. You're trying to save time over here, and you're over here re-rolling, 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 re-rolling. You know, that's just like, you know, uh, with my the mixture of dice, I could take out different colors for different weapons. And I can roll them all at the same time. Uh, you're over here, oh, this is a heavy bolter. Oh, this is a las cannon. Oh, this is uh, a, a flamer. Oh, uh, so, sorry, I got to do them. How often? So, hold on. Let me take an hour to roll these dice for you. Okay, you got a point there, but how often does your opponent even remember? It's an easy way for you to cheat. I think you do it because you cheat. Because you're like, oh, this red one's the Melta. And then when it misses, you're like, oh, no, the orange one was the Melta. The uh, red one was the flame. No. I, no. They see. They know. Don't call me cheater. I'm not a cheater. <laughs> all right. Well, what about if you lose dice? Uh, you know, all the time we're just throwing these little cubes around. If you lose a set of dice, uh, I mean a dice, right? And it ends up on the opponent's side of the table. If I'm playing with my Necrons, it's purple and gold. I know, oh, that purple and gold dice, I lost it. That was mine. If you're playing with a whole case of dice, all these different colors, we find a dice on the floor or on the table, and we don't know if that's from a previous game somebody else played. Maybe that's someone else's dice. Hey, if someone finds a dice, since I have multicolored dice, someone says, hey, is this someone's dice? I say, yes. And I take it. <laughs> and then if someone so else comes... If someone else comes and says, hey, I lost a dice, and I have that dice, boom, there it is, right there. Uh, Here's your dice back. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm thoughtful of other people. You're like the lost okay? and found for dice. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's just, got, it's got a big tub there. 
Well, what about you know when you lost the dice? Like, I know when I... My case... Once ca- again, I have a big tub of a lot yes. of dice. If I lose one, two, three... That's so money what? lost. That's that's lost money right there. You lost two two dice worth of money. Uh, I don't really like to think in that materialistic... <laughs> uh, I, I like having my complete set of dice. And it drives me nuts when I finally lose one. Like, I've just... I've got this case, and there's one empty spot where a dice goes... But I know it's missing. So at the end of the game, I fill my case and I'm missing one. And I wasn't missing one when I started. We can search the floor. We can search the terrain or whatever. And I'll probably get my dice back. Unless mm. it's in your case because you stole it. Uh, no, I don't steal it. It's, <laughs> it's holding it for a while. Hold it for a while. Until you see it. And okay. it's yours. I, I just feel like if you spend the time to paint an entire army, the same color, all the models... I spent hours and hours and hours to paint all of my guardsmen gray and black. All right? All this time gray and black. Then I should have matching dice that are also gray and black. They become part of the army. It's that army's dice. It's not just, oh, here's some tool I use, like my tape measure. No, these dice, they've got solidarity with the army. They belong to the army. Like if the dice were in that world, like the guardsmen would be like hanging out with the dice. The dice would be like, hey, we're buddies with that army and we're going to roll better for them. I'm building relationships is what I'm doing. So they're building relationships, huh? The dice in their own separate case, they're building relationships with this the uh, models in their own separate case and they only see each other on the battlefield for a little bit. I, I just think that you need... Fucking dice that match your army. The color of the dice needs to be the same color as your army. You cannot mix dice. I guess you're right. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey guys, this is Real Talk with Pimpcron, and this is a side note. I just wanted to mention that at mis- uh, mission, at minute five in the recording, that at mission five, yeah, at know. mission five. There is a bit of a audio change. Sorry for that. Uh, we're not professionals. Uh, we suck. But anyway, be prepared for that. And we are back, and this is Real Talk with the Pimpcron, featuring, I have not one, not three, but two guests today. The number one would be Mr. Loremaster, Alex. Well, I would consider myself as two people if you account for the split personality. Okay, for your bipolar nature, yes. So that he's... Okay, we have three, then. Um, we have a... Uh, we have Loremaster Alex, and then we also have Just James. Hello. All right. So today we wanted to discuss something that we all have a history with, and <laughs> the main topic of this is the game store from hell. Insert lightning striking in the background, squ- pigs squealing in the distance, yes. you know, yeah, the usual thing. <laughs> Many things that happen in Delaware to play begin the, with. Play the organ. <laughs> Okay, so Just James did not actually join our group when no. we were at the game store from hell. Nope. But Just James has heard many stories of it. And, oh, yeah, this place. And the owner, now um, our group is on our fourth store in the history of our gaming club. So we had fourth? game, this is our fourth. Yeah. Um, game store one was You Know Who, Total Asshole. Game store two was You Know Who, Crackhead. Yeah. And game store three was You Know Who, I don't even know what to say. Just, you know who. Laziness. Yeah, lazy. And now, Game Store 4, it's like it's like a weird group Warhammer-themed Goldilocks story. You know? I know. It was just right. Like, we sat on one owner, and he was too... <laughs> <laughs> he 
He was erect. He was <laughs> he was far too hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then we finally sat on our current owner of the store, and he was soft. Yeah. So we we prefer soft. Just right. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Anyway, so let's start. Um, Just James will have to chime in on stores two and three, but store one. Uh, was oh this... man, this place! Now this was the store. Was this your first store? Um, no, my first store was actually in Virginia. Oh, that's the one you and I went to when we when you went up with me. Okay, so was this your first local store to this yeah. area? And this is like where we first established the club, and so this is back when I was running it. Okay. And then I gave up because it was just too much of a hassle. Okay. So this so this store, quote unquote store, was in a flea market, an indoor flea market where they rent like small like uh, ten by twenty stalls and there's like partitions. You could like pay double the rent in order to have two sections, that sort and that's of thing. That's what this guy did. He had two yeah. two sections. And we were right across from the men's bathroom, which frequently smelled delicious, I yeah. have to say. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of home. <laughs> yeah. A bathroom at a flea market. Yeah. That's, that's like a bathroom at a truck stop. I will tell you this much, though. The urinal cakes were pretty tasty. <laughs> and um, so he had rented two stalls of this, and he had some magic players, but by the time that I got there, he had ran them all away, correct? Yep. And he still kept the Yu-Gi-Oh players. Oh, he did? Yeah. He still had Yu-Gi-Oh players. Okay. And... Um, that was not on our Warhammer night, though, so no. I, I never ran into those. No, but they were the weekend. At that time, he had, what was there, like six or eight Warhammer players when I joined, yeah. I think. A couple Fantasy, a couple 40K. And this guy was the epitome of a shyster. And um, I'll tell you what happened, what I did to him after we left his group, but uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for that. So this guy was such an asshole that he was constantly claiming he was clearly a one-man operation he yeah. had no employees he had yeah. nothing well no his mom worked there you're right his mom which was this who elderly had, lady who had like this look of just she wanted to <laughs> like why she didn't drown him as a child look you know? she was actually okay like, yeah, no, she, she was, was cool yeah. she was she was a gangster but um but she she <laughs> definitely she definitely regretted not drowning this guy in a fucking bathtub so this guy was like what his mid to late 40s I think yeah, past yeah, his midlife so. crisis. Yeah. yeah, and he was this little pipsqueak guy. He was a little pudgy, and he always um, he was bald, but I think he was like self conscious of it because he always wore a boonie hat. And he talked a lot of shit. Oh my god, he talked so much shit. So he he told me the story he told me when I first joined uh, Warhammer was that uh, that Warhammer was a collectible game. And they would, like, make a run, a print run of these models, and then break the mold. And then those would be, like, a, everything you buy is a limited release, he said. Yeah. And this is me not knowing anything about it. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. And he's like, well, look online. And he showed me online um, that there's, like, some models go for a lot of money. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of neat. I've never heard of this business model before. Right. And um, so I got into Warhammer. So he hooked you uh, real easy. Uh, well, I mean, that was that was how I sold it to my wife. So I guess it was fine because I'm like, oh, well, these appreciate in value. And I honestly believe that. I had yeah. no idea that, I mean, some models do. So just try and go ahead and buy some Toon Kings. Oh, at, I know it. The Toon Kings are expensive. Yeah, so some things do appreciate in value. But anyway, so that's how he hooked me in it. But actually, I was just joining it to have some friends, make some friends. So this guy claims. I just wanted some friends, man. I, just, I was so lonely. So this guy claimed that you know, despite having no employees except his mom, who I'm sure worked for free, 
and himself that he was owned by a larger company that owned several game stores in Florida and other far-flung places. Why they would own random game stores dotting the world, I don't know. Um, he didn't say that, but he might as well have said, like, Argentina and Quebec. <laughs> yeah, right, because, <laughs> you know, there's so many players in Argentina. Yeah, so... Um, Anyway, so anytime that there was anything unsavory he had to say that he didn't want to, like, be the bad guy, he would say, he would claim that it was corporate, you know. Oh, I talked to corporate, I talked to the quote-unquote owners, and they they say that you can't do this, or whatever. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember. And uh, so every time, so in other words, he was a pansy. Like, yeah. he didn't want to be the bad guy. And, uh, well, we would later find out the reason why he wasn't big on like advertising and this and that is because he was running that store without a biz- business license. Well, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. And another thing that he used to say is that his business was compartmentalized. So do you remember he sold like um, old Xbox and PlayStation games? Mm-hmm. Well, he said that he would give me a discount or he would give me store credit for my old console games in, you know, and I could use it towards Warhammer. Yeah. Well, when the time came, he said, oh, you know, um, I'll give you X amount of money for the games. And it was an atrociously small amount, but I was like, whatever, I don't play console games and this will go towards my new hobby. Well, then when he actually goes to give me the discount, let's say he he gave me $25 store credit, let's just say. Well, when I went to go buy Warhammer with it, he's like, we've got $15 store credit. And I'm like, well, no, actually, you said 25. And I'm making these numbers up. I don't remember what it was. And he's like, um, well, no, you just have $15. And I'm like, well, you said 25 And he goes, oh, sorry, I didn't explain that this business is compartmentalized. And you have $25 in console game credit, but that only converts to $15 in Warhammer credit. Oh, yeah. Or also, remember, he used to say that you had to buy something from the store in order to actually play. In order to play. Yeah, um, that was his big thing for a long time. And it's a shame we don't have um, Steve here because Steve, he he ran. Um, so the owner of this shitty store decided that he wanted to run a tournament. So our friend Steve, who is the terrain master behind all of Shorehammer, he brought a whole carload of terrain and he set up like uh, I don't know, it was ten tables, ten full tables, something like that of oh, yeah. of terrain. And we all pitched in money for it and all of that. And what was funny is that we did like a little tournament. And the owner of this store made Steve still buy a ticket to play in the tournament. Yep. And he kept all of the money that we paid to be part of the tournament. And he didn't set anything up and he didn't take anything down. Steve and us had to do everything. So all of our time with this dumb asshole culminated in me not liking him at all, and nobody liked this guy. So do you remember we used to, me, you, and Steve would go up to the restaurant, because there's a restaurant in the flea market, and we would eat dinner before playing Warhammer? Yep. Shit. And then that owner caught on that we would do that, and he didn't want us, I guess, talking about him? Yep. So what did he start doing? He came and sat with us, or would sit a bench, or come and sit a separate seat away from us with his mother. Yes, every week. Now, he didn't used to go up to that restaurant, and then we start doing it, and then a couple times, I remember him sitting with us. He's like, oh, move over, I'll sit in your booth with you, which, of course, none of us liked him. Right. And Or then he would sit nearby within earshot so he could hear what we're saying. Right. I'm like, you dumb asshole. So... All of this culminated in nobody liking him, and there was another game store about um, 
it was about equidistant from all of, like, this place is about 40 minutes from my house, and there was another game store that was about 30 minutes from my house, but in a, like, I guess 30 minutes from that one. Yeah. Um, so our friend Steve knew the owner of that second game store, and he was like, dude, we should just move the whole group, because this guy, game store number one's an asshole. Yeah. And we were like, I don't know, you know, it's a bird in the hand, bird in the bush thing. Until it all culminated in so, one night. Till the till till chairgate. <laughs> chairgate. <laughs> chairgate. Jeez Louise. So So I had lost my job at this point in time. So I wasn't really like buying anything from the store. But I wanted to play. So I came to play and this guy pulls me aside and goes, Listen, you haven't bought anything from the store, you need to buy something or you can't play. Uh huh. I was like, Well, how can I buy something with no money? Yeah. And he was like, well, that's not my problem. You, you can't play today. I was like, all right, fine. So I'll just sit and watch. Uh-huh. But the thing was, I wasn't really sitting. I was standing and, and watching you guys play. And my, well, because we didn't have room in the actual quote-unquote store to play. Which was actually in the hallway. We had to set up tables in the hallway, which was not actually his store. Right. So I go to the guy. I'm like, hey, do you think I could, get, I could borrow a chair to sit down in? So then he pulls me aside and goes, okay, well, it's a dollar for a chair without a cushion and $2 to rent a chair with a cushion. No, no, that's not quite how it happened. I remember this as clear as day. He said, you said, hey, can I borrow a chair? And he goes, padded or unpadded? And you said, I don't care. What's the difference? And he goes, well, the difference is yeah, padded. Yeah, that's is, right. That's yeah. right. The difference is padded is $1 oh and unpadded, you know, uh, unpadded is $1 and padded is $2. Oh, my God. And I looked at him just dumbfounded. <laughs> and he looked at me like he didn't do anything wrong. Oh, my God. Dude, we completely understand that stores have bills to pay and all of that. But... Come on. Like, you can't buy something every time you go to the store, especially if the dude's an asshole. Yeah. And remember, his selection was not good. Oh, and whenever he had to order something. Yep. He would make some cockamamie excuse. I'm assuming he had, like, he had uh, minimums to his orders. Yeah. And he wouldn't reach the minimum. So he'd just, he wouldn't say that, though. He'd say the next week when it was supposed to come in, oh, it didn't come in this week. And we're like, okay. And he'd blame his rep. And then the next week, oh, it didn't come in again. Darn that rep, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah. And I imagine he wasn't making his minimums, which is fine. Just tell us. Yeah. Like, so um, after we all heard that, Steve and I and some other people and Alex, after he, after Chairgate, we were like, dude, that night I remember talking to you and Steve and I was, and, and we all agreed, we got to go somewhere. Yeah. We, we cannot be with this dumb asshole forever. Yeah. So... Um, we decided to all at one time, we got the group together and we moved them. We started hanging out about a half hour south of that. At store number two. Store number two, which we did not know at the time was on a serious decline. Like it had lost at the time. They still had magic players when we first started. And they saw the D and D group and still had the D and D group and still had a board game group that came in and spent zero money with them. Remember, yeah. but they came in every Wednesday and that's when just James joined the group was yeah. when we moved to this new group. And uh, just, James, since you've been so quiet, since you couldn't chime in the first part, uh, do you have anything to say about the stock at store number two? Uh, there wasn't much to the stock. Like, I didn't, it was kind of hard to find because there was, like, in two separate areas. There was those old packages on the uh, sidewall, and then, like, on one shelf there was some uh, stuff, but most of it I didn't want. Uh, most, I don't even, most people didn't buy stuff because it was, like, stuff people didn't need 
it was like 10-year-old models that were yeah. mostly metal at the time. And the stuff that nobody wanted to buy, which yes. is why they were there for so long. <laughs> and years ago, for whatever reason, their Warhammer group, like 10 years prior, had dried up. So he had all this leftover stock. So when we started coming, he pulls out all of these old, like, you know, the old kits that were half metal, half plastic, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like, the uh, really yeah. old... Um, to You know, this was... Um, this was a long time after um, Schaefer's Last Chancers. Yeah, and you know he still box? had a box of it. I bought the box from it. Yeah, and it was yeah. a brand new in the shrink wrap box <laughs> of a limited. It's pretty much a limited edition. It was like what a third third edition Imperial oh, yeah, Guard. Oh third book. edition unit. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I bought. It was still in the shrink wrap. <laughs> uh, Steve bought a bunch of epic space uh, epic Warhammer boxes, the starter sets, still in the shrink wrap. Yeah. Do you remember he used to have the old metal Blood Bowl models? Yep. Yeah. That were well out of print. Like, uh, if you remember Bane Blade Tim, when he was still playing Black Templar, uh -huh. all of his like Devastator Marines were the half plastic, half metal. Were they? Yeah, because he bought them from the store. Yeah. Yeah. So he had he had no um he didn't even have current codexes. Remember? Yeah. I bought when Oh, and how all of his paints that he had were, were dry. dried up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you ever buy any paints from no, him? No, I didn't. Oh my god. Yeah. He said to me, yeah, some mineral water will fix that. <laughs> I was like, bitch, are you kidding me? <laughs> I looked at him like, are you stoned? <laughs> and he had like, they had like a huge thing of comic books is what really started to, I guess, consume that store was yeah. the comic books. That's what kept them running for a real long time. Well, eventually he pissed off his magic players. Yep. And I don't remember that whole fiasco, but he stopped paying his employees for the last, like, year we were there, his one employee got paid in just stuff off the shelf. Yeah. That was his paycheck. And so each week he just grabbed some shit off the shelf, and that was his pay. Um, so we were going to call this one that eventually happened Crackgate? What? <laughs> yes. Well, little did we know when we joined here. Where were? How long were we there? Two years or something? About two years, yeah. Yeah. And um, it was on a steady decline because it used to be the store yeah. in our area. And mind you, this place was in a pretty seedy area. Too. Oh, it was oh, yeah. next to a methadone clinic. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, We literally shared a parking lot. They were the next door over was a methadone clinic. Yep. <laughs> Nothing bad about people that are trying to get clean, but it was in a bad area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Remember, we used to go out to our cars in groups. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, we would all wait for us to get into our cars. All of our engines start, and we all pulled away at the same time. It was like synchronized swimming. It was a shady-ass place. Do you remember random guys would wash cars in the parking lot? Yeah. Like, you know, like as a business. Like, just pull up, and they didn't have a business. I never told you this, but I got propositioned for crack there one time. I would not doubt that. Yeah. Because the methadone people were always sitting out smoking cigarettes. Yep. And yeah. Yep. And yep. sometimes they would come into the store. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There would be once in a while they come into the store. Well, especially oh yeah, they'd be looking for drinks and stuff too. Is uh, sometimes when they came in because yeah. they had some drinks. Um, so uh, yeah, they they'd come in, they'd be looking all shady with their hands in their pockets, looking around, and I guess they, I doubt they ever stole anything because. Like, I mean, who, who are they going to pawn it to? The next game store? I mean, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so um, so eventually, you know, this place was all already on a downward spiral. He was pissing off all of his customers and all of that. Finally, the magic people left and went to what is technically our current store because our current store had opened up under a new owner at that time and all the magic people left yeah. from store number two to this store number four. And um, so anyway, uh, so then crack happened and the owner crack of our... Crackgate. Crackgate happened and the owner of our 
store number two, got big into, I think he had already been pretty big into crack. But he was like convicted. Yeah. He, um, well, he didn't serve jail time yet until after we left. Yeah. But the business was going downhill. And do you remember, uh, one of his employees, he didn't pay his, uh, child support for like a year or six months. Mm -hmm. And the guy lost his, you know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he lost his license over that because the owner of the store was his employer and was taking child support out of his paycheck each week and not sending it to the child support bureau. So then he was delinquent on his child support, and the first thing they do is take your license. Yeah. So, oh my God, this dude. Oh, he was evading taxes. Yep. Remember, that's actually what got him in, did him in, was yeah. evading like years worth of taxes. Oh, yeah. So um, at the end, at the very end, when we knew we had to jump ship as a group, we would come in, and do you remember uh, who the owner was hanging out with? Yeah. Who? Can you describe him? Um, a extra for a 50 cent. Music video? <laughs> Essentially, we always guessed, like, prostitutes. Like, yeah. We, we, were, we were guessing, because remember, it was usually two women, mm -hmm. and they were, like, real crack whorish. Do you remember this, Just James? Yeah, yeah skeezery. Some, yeah, some stuff about it. Yeah, and he had his back office, and they would just go in the back office and shut the door yeah. and be there for a while. And you could smell it. That's the thing. Like, yeah, they were smoking something. Yeah, yeah, you could smell something was burning. Oh, speaking of things burning... Oh, yeah, the fire alarm. The fire. The sprinklers. In the, okay, so just when his business is going down, right, and he's losing all of his customers, he miraculously has a fire that gets started in his office in the off hours, right? Yeah. And the alarm, the uh, sprinklers go off and ruin tons of comic books. Remember, he had all those long boxes that had no lids of back issues. Oh, uh, yep. yeah. And it ruined, like, everything that was paper in a comic book store, yeah. which you can imagine. And I guess they never figured out, like, we all, we don't know, but we assumed he did it. Because it was awfully convenient to just have a fire and then get all that insurance money. Yeah. Um, but, of course, we can't say that he did do it, but we are all like, come on, this yeah. dude's doing drugs and whatnot. And, um... But I remember he sold me a green tub, right? Like, one of them big green tote tubs. Uh-huh. Full, I don't know if you guys know about this, but I'm a big mecha head. I love Gundam and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And Macross. He sold me a green tote full of mobile suit in action mobile suits. Oh, uh, I remember. 20 bucks. God. <laughs> 20 just, bucks. Just a bump. Just That's a bump. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Just a bump. Oh my God. Yeah, this is, this is a shady ass place. And now we come to store number three. Let's get brutal. Well, you've nearly made it to the end of the show, and this is the part of the show where we discuss the lore or whatever strategy or, you know, even real real life history, IRL history of Brutality Skirmish Wargame, which is my own free rules, use your own models, RPG light skirmish wargame. So, this week we'll be discussing certain people that gain Ishtar's ire in, in particular, and that would be the Malforms. So, what is a Malform, you may be asking, because that sounds strange. Well, if you have heard the history section of the previous Get Brutal with the Pimp Cron on a previous episode, where we discussed the lore behind Ishtar herself, the actual uh, religious background in our realm, and what she's like and what she's been through and, and what we can glean off that with her as a character. 
Well, if you listen to that, you realize that she was um, at some point raped by another person, and I believe she killed him or whatever. But she's she is not. You know, you might you might think that she's like Slanesh and she's all about debauchery and excess and whatever. But actually, she has her own sense of justice, and she's very loyal to the people that are loyal to her. And she's not a big fan of rape. So, you know, she's she's not a rapist, at least. She does not support that, even though she is the goddess of, you know, sexual love and war or life and death. She does not approve of non-consensual sex. So the uh, the most common type of malform that you'll find in the ether realm is usually somebody that is a rapist that has caught her eye. Naturally, this place is a crazy, crazy house, and there's tons of, like, you know, probable rape or whatever that happens all the time, and we are not glorifying that in any way, but occasionally, like, they will catch her eye in some way, because Ishtar is often not paying attention. Like, she's not, she's not like a, a god figure. I mean, she is a god, but she's not a god figure where she really cares about the inhabitants and wants to watch over them, and you know, she sees you when you're sleeping, she knows when you're awake, that sort of thing. And so in in most cases, she's like busy doing other stuff. She doesn't even care what happens here. As long as they keep living and dying and having sex, she's fine with it. But like, let's say, for instance, somebody would um, rape a um, high priestess in the cult of the One Mother, which is the religious group that worships Ishtar in the Ether Realm, then that would catch her... Uh, her attention more than if somebody, some, you know, pleb was raped somewhere. And she would probably still punish the rapist even if, you know, the, the pleb was raped if she noticed it. But if you accidentally were to, you know, sexually assault a higher up or something that would actually get Ishtar's attention, then she will turn you into a malform. And what a malform is, now that I've blabbered long enough, is there will be people that are cursed by Ishtar to forever have the ordeal of being bothered with for the um, punishment of rape. So these people are essentially driven mad because they are nonstop bothered with all the time, 24 hours a day. They can't sleep. They have a hard time eating. They have just literally been driven mad. And how you might wonder that is, well, the person is the normal person. Let's just picture a human, even though there are countless different races in the ether realm. And the human is standing there. He's got, you know, a head, two arms, two legs, a torso, right? Well, constantly there are like these invisible, well, they're, they're visible, but they're astral hands that sprout from his body and are constantly clawing at him, groping him, um, grabbing his private parts, um, you know, sticking their fingers in his mouth, you know, hook, fish hooking his cheek, pulling at his ears, poking his eye, and just constantly assaulting him constantly, not like punches or anything, but just constantly bothering you. And you've all had a friend at some point that would just not leave you alone, would, you know, you know, um, push you into a wall or, or, you know, uh, flick your nose or bother you in some way. And that's highly, highly irritating. Well, if you could imagine somebody constantly pulling at you, opening your mouth with this hand or restraining your arm or, you know, um, grabbing your private parts or pulling your hair or any of that stuff 24 hours a day forever, you would be an absolute mad person. So Ishtar 
creates these malforms. And for the icing on the cake for these people is that they're part of their curse is that anybody that looks on them, even if they don't know this person, it could be complete strangers. If they look on a malform, you instantly know what they're being punished for. And more often than not, it's, it's usually rape. Occasionally it'll be something else, but Ishtar is like really not a big proponent of rape. So like I said, I'm not trying to make light of any of this. I try to make um, the ether realm and brutality very dark, very gritty and realistic. And I try to take kind of like a um, post-apocalyptic view on a lot of aspects of this because a lot of that stuff would happen with no governments, no real police force, no, you know, real laws. Of course, there are towns of people called Narrows that get together and want to have laws and want to have work together and have structure. But there's vast areas of the ether realm where it's just the wild, wild west and everybody does whatever they want. And those are the horrible atrocities that they face in the ether realm, uh, along with the PTSD of being killed multiple times and remembering it and all of that. So I just wanted to mention the malforms because I think they're very interesting and you would be, you know, walking through these ruins, your your group would be, and they hear this guy just blabbering out the, out the side of his face, you know, gibbering and whatnot, just wandering around all emaciated because he, you know, starves and, and you know, gets respawned or whatever. Maybe he's able to eat, who knows, and he's not starving, but he is literally just driven crazy and you can see these, you know, three or four hands at all times pulling on his shirt, poking his eye, picking his nose, grabbing his tongue, just constantly irritating him. So the same way that she dealt with um, Cronell and made, stretched him out into make the flash, the Fleshlands, um, she has a very interesting flair for punishments. And, you know, they may not sound like the worst thing in the world, but you know what? Let someone bother you for 24 hours and see how sane you are, let alone 24 hours a day for eternity. Anyway, thank you for listening to my whacked out shit that is in brutality because I really enjoy the dark side of it. Similar for the reason why I like, you know, 40K or anything, the, the dark, grittier sides of it. And certainly there's several um, social aspects we can um, glean from this type of scenario. But I appreciate you listening to the show. This is the end of the show. You are listening to the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, uh, pimpcron at gmail.com, facebook.com slash pimpcron, or of course the phone number with a bunch of ones in it, which I never, ever, ever remember. Thank you for listening.